Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at Talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, A-C-C Sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore A-S-D. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Jeff. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. That's at M-A-I-N-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-H-A-R-M. And welcome back to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of AllSportsDiscussion.com, the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. And we have one of our high flyers from the very olden days of AllSportsDiscussion.com, one of our very, very first podcast guests on the show. We have a return guest tonight in Will Ogenen. And he is a fan of all things from the University of Virginia. And you can follow him on Twitter at, at WillsWorldMN. He is part of the team at ACC Nation. And you can go to their site at accnation.net. Again, that's accnation.net. Their site Twitter account is at ACC Nation. And Will is here tonight to preview. The 2022 University of Virginia Cavaliers football team. We are excited to begin our ACC team previews this year, and we're just beginning just beginning them. But we've you know we're picking up steam. We're picking up steam. We're probably about a quarter, probably about a quarter through. So before we start, Will, I have a question for you. All right, lay it on me. Did you know that Mike London was a detective? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, seriously, tell us about yourself. Anything that you want to plug right now? Anybody who's working you with you at accnation.net in the Twitter family at, at accnation. We consider you. So- yourselves our brothers so the floor is yours there on promotion well hey once again i appreciate you guys having me on um yeah it's always it's always a pleasure i love coming on do, doing this with you guys um whether it be talking virginia sports or you know college hockey which we did you know a little over a month ago so for those of you who didn't catch that i'm will Ogenen. i uh reside in the twin cities of minneapolis st paul I've been writing for ACC Nation for several years now, going back to about 2016, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. I, I don't remember the exact year offhand, but I've been doing this for quite a while. So what we at ACC Nation, we we also have a weekly podcast where we talk, um, you know, the main sports, obviously, in the men's basketball and football, but we dive into women's basketball and all the non-revenue sports that, you know, don't get a lot of press, but you know, we'll at least keep you updated on what's going on there. Obviously, a big day in uh, women's softball for Virginia Tech, and Matthew Matthew is very excited about that. And the baseball team is doing very well, obviously, too. So we do a lot of that. Um, you know, Jim and I, Jim, based out of Richmond, we podcast every week. We're actually going to be starting our own football previews uh, next month um, around the time I actually am making my first ever trip to Fargo, which, you know, we all know on this podcast is near and dear to Matthew's heart. So I'm, I'm excited to check that out for the first time. Um, yeah. We also have um, a photographer named Dave Wolpert, who's doing a lot of uh, who's actually was just in uh, doing some photography for some ACC baseball over the weekend. I think he was, at Virginia Tech's game on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, he he was doing some photography for that, and so that so if you um, go to ACC Nation's Twitter, that'll be retweeted there, and you'll you'll be able to find it. Outstanding, outstanding. So, before we get to University of Virginia uh, football here, Will, I wanted to get your take because you know you mentioned it previously. We, we uh, previously here just a moment ago, we had you on to preview the. Uh, the, fro- the tw- 2022 Frozen Four, 
What was your take on the 2022 Frozen Four? I mean, it was it was really a fun situation for the state of, state of Minnesota. Very on brand for the state of Minnesota, though. Um, you have the half the teams in the Final Four from Minnesota, and both of them lose. Um, obviously, this because you know the Wild just got eliminated from the playoffs this week. So, you know, Minnesota sports have not exactly had the best. Uh, track record of the last 30 years of winning except unless you're the minnesota Lynx, but that's you know they're they're the only team that can win in this town um but i'm actually a little bit surprised with how how the frozen four played out i remember being on here and i said that michigan was the the team to beat because they were the most talented of the four teams and denver went and beat them uh in the semifinals three to two a real good game um if i remember correctly and then on the other side, uh, Minnesota State Mankato blew out the Gophers. That was that was, game was not even close. I I think I picked them to win that game. I don't quite remember, but I, I, I but I did think they would. Whoever came out of it would lose to Michigan. But Denver went on and you know they just laid a beat down on on Mankato and winning the the championship. I think it's their second one in the like last four or five years. So it's not like Denver's uh. Slouchering, they've they've had a consistently good program for a number of years. Matthew, you know that from their days in the WCHA, they've always been a pesky program, and now they've uh, gotten a couple, you know, national championships in the last five years. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it the NCHC will has really established itself as as a top college conference in college hockey, right? Because you look at either Duluth or you look at Denver. That's that's where the championships have gone lately. I mean, UMass was kind of a foot, you know, kind of a kind of a unique circumstance, you know, last year. But you know, Duluth or, or Denver have had really good success. And I think if you look at last year and maybe in the last couple of years, that the NCHC has just been pretty, pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, I was, I was, I was impressed with Denver, but it didn't, it didn't surprise me because the strength of the NCHC was so strong, so strong this year, with Western Michigan, with North Dakota, with Omaha, with uh, with with Duluth, with St. Cloud, with. I mean, I, I feel like I'm rat, rat, rattling off as an auctioneer here, and of course, a lot of those teams come from come from the state of Minnesota. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and so for those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, the NCHEC is probably the best hockey conference in, in of all the countries. So you can they're probably better than the Big Ten. Obviously, Matthew just rolled off some of the national championships that have come from that conference. Uh, Minnesota Duluth has you know won a couple in a row. And now Denver, and we've talked about some of the other St. Clouds been a frozen four team lately. So you know, that is a really, really strong uh, conference. And yeah, there, when you, when you look, you know, when you look at two teams to beat, even coming into the next season, you, you tend to look at teams from that conference. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. And I think you'll see, I actually think you'll see North Dakota back in the picture again, but that's, it's not, you know, it's that's probably not shocking for a, a you know for what I consider to be a blue blood in North Dakota. So, but I mean, it was fun. It was fun, and I, I wonder at times. I don't know how much they talk about this. Will, but has there been any talk about Mankato State going full Division One in all of its sports here, closer to Minnesota than the rest of us? I have not heard anything, but that doesn't mean it's not going on behind the scenes. I, I, I will admit I have not paid a ton of attention to it, to be honest with you, but it's something, I mean, it's something that, you know, we can keep an eye on. I mean, they've, they've got a pretty solid D2 football program. Um, one of the, you know, they've, I think Adam Thielen, who's been a receiver on the Vikings for several years, went to Mankato, was undrafted. Um, he's yeah. So they, they, they do really good. in in a lot of, a lot of the, lo- the lower level sports. So maybe, maybe eventually they move to FCS football potentially, but I think, I think it's not off the table. I mean, we just saw just in Minnesota, um, St. Thomas, which is just right up the road for me in St. Paul, they, uh, went D one in, and, uh, in basketball, I got, I actually went to one of their basketball games this year. They're, they're moving up into, 
um, you know, some of the lower, you know, some of the the Division One schools. Now they're with the summit. They're with the summit, and that's kind of where I yep. thought Mankato would go. You know what I mean with NDSU and you, 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 you know, with NDSU and UND at least in the summit. Yeah, and I can I can actually say when I went to see St. Thomas, I saw a NCAA tournament team that um, that game because they played Montana State, who made the the tournament this year. So did not expect that when I went in December, but cool. Amen, amen. Jeff, buddy, you're up. Let's start Virginia football talk. All right, thanks, Matthew. Okay, well, we wanted to ask you, starting off, what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for Virginia? And I got a feeling you're going to focus a lot on the offensive side of the football. And you would be correct in that assumption. Um, We'll start behind center with Brennan Armstrong, who is definitely in the discussion for best quarterback in the ACC. I mean, when you look at what he did last year, throwing the football, I mean, set just shattered pretty much every passing record of uh, that Virginia ever had through for, um, for 4,400 yards, 31 touchdowns um, set like single game passing yards um, through for 487 yards, a couple times through for 554 and that loss to North Carolina um, was a lot of the reason they they were in games. Uh, he was just, yeah, he, that was a season we will probably never see again, at least for a long time, by another Virginia quarterback. Um, I, I don't. He's not going to put up. I don't see him putting up those kind of numbers this year, just because of the new the new coaching staff and the scheme change. But he will still be counted on to do quite a bit. I and you know he. he could he throw for 300 yards in a game? Absolutely. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it multiple times this year. Um, the wide receiver room, I think, is the deepest in the ACC. Um, Dontavian Wicks is all probably all ACC, and I would put him in uh, the discussion for best receiver in the league. Guy averaged over 21 yards per catch, 1,200 yards last season, made some really spectacular catches. Um, as a, you know, just throughout the season, he's only, he's heading into his junior year. He, he's still got some work, you know, some improvement, but still 57 catches for over 1200 yards. He's just a, an unbelievable player. Uh, Keaton Thompson's back. He is re- returning after his COVID year, had almost a thousand yards himself. I would, I don't know if he'll do the all everything role, the football player role that so much this year, I think he'll be more of a receiver this year. He's still, you know, it's he, the, the fact that he adapted to the receiver position so quickly, I think just says a lot about him and just how s- smart of a person he is as a, as a you know, football player. And he's definitely going to be in the NFL in 2023. They're going to get Billy Kemp back, who is also using his COVID year. He set out the spring with an injury he sustained at the end of the year. A really good slot receiver. Um, they're getting Lavelle Davis back, who missed all last season with a torn ACL. He was second on the team in catches in 2020, had averaged almost 26 yards per reception. The guy who's 6'7", uh, just an absolute freak of a, of a football player who can just – He's just an amazing football player. Had five touchdowns his freshman year on twenty catches. Um, another another wide receiver, Malachi Fields, who was a freshman last year and played some limited action, but st- he he had a, a big spring game. Was probably one of the the stars of the spring game with some of the guys sitting out with injuries. So he I think he's going to be. Uh, he probably won't see a whole feel feel a whole lot this year, but he's a name to look at going forward. Um, they're just really, really deep at that position and they can do a lot of different things with there are a lot of different things with uh, what they have in that wide receiver room. And it's, a, it's all credit to Marcus Higgins, who has done a phenomenal job of developing wide receivers at Virginia for a long time. All right. Well, let's go to the flip side here. What are some of the major weaknesses for the who's coming back and other words what do you think Virginia will be working on before the first game and what are the questions that you think have to be resolved the offensive line is probably the biggest question on on the offensive side of the ball I mean they lost I believe four starters some of them went to the transfer portal and 
Uh, some of them graduated and are try, are trying to get an get their NFL career going. They're they're replacing they're replacing them with a lot of unproven talent. And they the spring game was kind of a struggle for the for the offensive line because they only had eight healthy linemen dressed for the game. They had a couple of guys who actually played on both both for both teams during the spring game because they were banged up and just not a lot of bodies in the door. Um, I think that I think that's something that we'll see, uh, you know, something we'll have to watch going into fall camp. They do bring in uh, some grad transfers. We'll get more into that in a little bit. So that's the biggest question on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, that's the whole defense is a big question mark. I mean, this this rushing defense last year was just absolutely pathetic. I mean, I could have run for 100 yards on this Virginia defense. There weren't very many teams nationally that stopped the run, that could you know stop the run worse than Virginia did. They were ranked 123rd out of 130 teams in rush defense. That's how bad they were. And we're talking like just a barely above of teams like UMass and Akron who were at the dregs of the dregs of FC or FBS football right now. The defense in general was just very bad. Um, they were not. They were better against the pass, but that was only because everyone ran on them so much. Uh, I I do think that they did lose their um, Joey Blount, their best defensive back graduated. Um, I, I actually, and I'll get more into the defensive line aspect. I do think that they will be better this year. Uh, Losing Noah Taylor to North Carolina in the transfer portal was a big loss. Wes Weeks who transferred to LSU is probably a bigger loss in my opinion, because he was, a star in the making at a linebacker. Um, but, but I think a lot of these people transferred because of Bronco Mendenhall and just the, you know, his, the way he did things in the way Tony Elliott does things. It just wasn't a mix. And, and yeah, it, it kind of put in the, the timing of everything. And we'll get more into that as well in a little bit, put it, put the, the team at a kind of a disadvantage in, in both recruiting and the transfer portal. But, this the entire defense is going to be a huge question mark going into twenty two, just because there was the the ta- the people that were there were just not very well coached. Um, so I think that's going to be something we're going to have to look at going into fall camp. See some somebody stand out. All right, Will. Um, you mentioned it a little bit in your in your. Uh, last answer and so we're going to go into more detail here about some of those new recruits or transfer portal players that have impressed you uh the most during the off season and and which do you think could get some early uh major playing time so i'm not really sure any of the guy any of the the freshmen the first years you got to be correct for for you for the uva fans i don't think a lot of the first years are gonna see playing time right away just because the way they only got uh, just a handful of commits, 16 commits. And again, the timing of, of when Bronco stepped down, put the school at a disadvantage because they were without a coach basically when the first signing day rolled around and some of the guys that were committed went elsewhere. There was an offensive lineman who was originally committed to Virginia ended up signing with tech, for example. And so, and they were never able to really get back in and uh, go after these kids and try to keep them committed because of all the timing around it. So I think the code where you're going to see the, the immediate impact is out of the transfer portal. They picked up a guy, Cody Brown, just, uh, just within the last week or two, who is coming over from Miami. He's a running back. He was a four-star at a high school. It, now I like, the running back room, I think there's some some talent there. I think Brown could be an immediate contributor. He might be the most talented person in the running back room already. There's a lot of been hype around Mike Hollins for a couple of years, and he really hasn't been able to do it. But last, you know, a lot of that was just because they they ran the ball so little, and it was mostly just to keep defenses honest so they could just set up the pass again. Now, they really did, uh, again, the offensive line, they did a lot of work there. They got a couple of grad transfers from the FCS level. John Paul Flores from Dartmouth, Mac Hollensteiner from Georgetown. 
couple of guys who I think will come in and probably start right away on the line. Um, they you know, picked up some guys on the defensive line who I think will, will play rotation uh, spots. And I really like the couple of guys, Andres Fox, who's coming over from Stanford. He was a former four-star kid. Hadn't really done a whole lot in his time at Stanford, but given a, I think he, he could, you know, have a good year, you know, with, with the, the new staff and more playing time. Uh, Cameron Butler, who is coming over from Miami, Ohio, he had eight and a half sacks for them last season uh, on the Mac. And we all know they don't play defense in the Mac. So if you get eight and a half sacks at Miami, Ohio, that, that says you're pretty good. I don't know if he's going to necessarily put up eight and a half sacks at UVA, but if you can get, you get anybody that can rush the passer, I think that's that's a big boom. Now, obviously, there's still time to to pick up players in the portal. I, I know they're in the running for a defensive tackle who is supposed to announce on Monday. I think they're going to – I think they're in the mix for that. And I think another spot they could look at is maybe in the secondary and maybe a tight end. Uh, Jelani Woods was just drafted in the third round by the Colts. I think that, I think there's I think there's some room for improvement still there. But if if we're going to look at uh, players who are going to contribute right away, they're going to be on the from the transfer portal on in the in the trenches really. Will uh, do you think uh, for our next question? Do you think Virginia will be better than last year? Why or why not? And then we're going to play um, our win game, lose game, where we go through the Virginia schedule really quick and getting getting your thoughts on whether that game would be a win or a, or a loss. See, that's a tough question because with everything going on, I really don't know how to, to answer that. Because we, there this te- I think this team was better than 6-6, six and six, but they were also a, pl- a couple of plays away from being 4-8 and eight just because of you know, they, they got a little luck last season uh, because Miami missed a field goal and Louisville missed a field goal. So they probably should have been worse. I think the team could be better this year simply because the, I think the defense may actually make stops this year. I mean, they they were so I felt they were so poorly coached on defense last year. I see Nick Howell, you know, went over to Vanderbilt to be to be on their defensive staff. So expect their defense to suck again in 2022. But um, I think I think given that I I don't know. I mean, I guess that I don't think Brennan Armstrong's going to throw for 4,500 yards again. I don't think the receivers are going to put up the the mind boggling numbers he do just because. This uh, they're going to want to run a little more balanced attack, I and they're not going to want to run throw it like seventy percent of the time. Where I think the guy, you know, the guys I mentioned at running back, will see more of uh, more time at running back, more yards. I think I think this I think maybe a more balanced attack keeps the defense off the field as well, and you know makes them maybe makes them better in that sense that they're not being exposed, but. I think the potential is there to be better, but you know that it's the first year of a new staff, and you know it's it's a it's a wild card. I look back to 2016 to when Bronco Mendenhall took over, and I thought, oh, new coaching staff, you know, a better coach, this everything should be better. Nope, two and ten, including a lot and to FC and I lost to Richmond in their in their very first game and the, the game and. It was just an absolutely tough season. So, I th- but like I said, I think they'll be better. But saying by how much, I think is just a little. It's just really tough to answer at the moment. All right, uh, Will, and let's look at that schedule now, because I mean, if things break right for Virginia, I mean, they could get off to a really, really fast start on the season. I mean, you've mentioned the questions they they would have to deal with, but. I mean, there's an opportunity here for for a great start to the season through through late October. So let's go through that schedule and, and, and see if you're thinking the same as I. Uh, you open the schedule with the Richmond Spiders on September 3rd. Yeah, like I said, that, that should be a win. But I also, like, when I first saw the schedule and saw Richmond and thinking Tony Elliott, you know, first game as head coach, I had flashbacks to 2016. 
and remembering that Richmond blew them out at Scott Stadium. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this this team is far more talented than that 2016 team. So I'm going to take Virginia to win that one. All right. Uh, then you go on the road and you play an Illinois team that, that Virginia handled pretty well last year. Yeah, I don't think this game will be a blowout like it was last year. It won't be over in the first first minute because, well, number one, Jelani Woods won't be on the field for that game. This game is in Champaign. I think Illinois will be better this year, but they still have questions at quarterback. I mean, I don't know if you if you have questions at quarterback, you're probably not going to succeed very well. So I'm going to take I'm going to take Virginia to win that one on the road in a close one. All right, then you come back home and you host Old Dominion. I think this game could be tougher than expected. I think r- what Ricky Ronnie did last season is a very impressive. You know, getting a team that did not play in 2020 come out and got them to a bowl. I think that's really impressive. I still think Virginia is the better team, so I'm going to take them at home. Okay. Uh, then you go on the road. You play at Syracuse. This is an interesting game. Um, Robert and I, the former offensive coordinator at Virginia, is now the offensive coordinator at Syracuse. Jason Beck, former quarterback coach at Virginia, also at Syracuse. I see this team. They know, you know, Virginia knows their their op- they're going to know their offense very well. I know that any one of five offensive linemen will be will be available to catch passes at any any moment. No, I do. I, I do. I still can't believe what happened at the Virginia Tech game all these months ago, months later, and still can't still can't believe it. But um, no, I think I, it's an interesting game because you know they have a very good running attack, and how are they going to utilize that with the way Robert and I wants to run run his offense? Um, but still, I don't I don't trust their quarterback situation. So I, I could see Virginia winning that game on the road as well. Okay. Um... Then you uh, stay on the road and you play at Duke. I love the Mike Oko hire. I think this will be, you know, give it a couple of years. I think Duke will be a team that you'll see, um, you know, flirt with bowl eligibility and be a consistent bowl team as long as he's there. But for now, I still think they have a long ways to go. So I'll take Virginia in that one. Okay, uh, then uh, you return back to Scott Stadium, and I think this could be one of those you know pivotal type games in the schedule, and uh, a great quarterback matchup in this one with uh, Malik Cunningham and Brennan Armstrong. Uh, you got Louisville on October eighth. Yeah, this one is a really tough one to figure out. Um, yeah, you mentioned Malik Cunningham is. You know, a really, really good quarterback. He is certainly in the discussion for one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, and as we all know, that the the quarterbacks in the ACC, it's pretty loaded. And Virginia is going to face quite a few of them this year. Um, Cunningham, obviously, a great dual threat quarterback. Ran for a thousand yards last year. I'm curious to see how the the you know their their receiving core. They got a lot of guys back. Obviously, Tyler Harrell's now at Alabama. And they lose, you know, a guy who runs like four two, who could be a big big play threat. I think I think it all really comes down to who who makes a better makes a defensive play in this game. I could see this game being a shootout. Um, I'm gonna just kind of play conservative. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Louisville just because I just get this weird sense that I'm, Virginia's defense is not going to be able to stop uh, Cunningham. All right. Um, after uh, Louisville, you've got a bye week, and then you go on the road and you play at Georgia Tech. Um, re- a lot of rebuilding on the defensive side of the ball at Georgia Tech. That secondary is going to be featuring a lot of new players facing Brennan Armstrong. I think the biggest question in that game is, will, is will Jeff Collins still be the coach by that time? Um, and granted, he's, he's <laughs> saddled with a really ridiculous schedule. I mean, yeah, some of it was was on doing but he's you know there those for those non-conference games are going to do him no favors so i th- i think virginia just wins that game just because i think they're they're the more talented team in this situation yeah that's you know that's true uh will you know georgia tech's gonna have to stop scheduling the northern illinois and the the citadels that have marked <laughs> jeff collins's tenure at georgia oh i mean you're oh you're talking about like ucf and ole miss and those games <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably be a long season in Atlanta. Um, after the Georgia Tech game, you go um, back home and you play the Miami Hurricanes in what is another uh, top-notch QB matchup with Van Dyke there at Miami. Miami looking great as a freshman and Brennan Armstrong. A lot of great quarterback matchups in the ACC this year. Yeah, no kidding. And it's this is, this is the first time in a few years. I think it was... 2019, I think it's the last time Virginia hosted Miami. I think they were supposed, or was it 2018? I can't remember, but uh, one of those years. So I think they were supposed to face them in Charlottesville in 2020. But when when the schedule got redone after COVID, they ended up traveling to Miami and then they played them there again last year. Um, obviously, Virginia won that game last year with a lot of luck, thanks to the missed field goal at the end of the game. Uh, see, Virginia had no business winning at the end because of the defense. Uh, Miami will be a coastal favorite uh, this year. Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke is, uh, you know, really came on as, as he got more comfortable in the in you know with reps in the in, at quarterback. I'm going to take Miami in this one, although you know this Virginia's had for some reason had its way with Miami lately in this series, but I'll take the Hurricanes in this one. Okay, um, then you stay at home and you're hosting. Um... A North Carolina team with you know one of their one of one of the best receivers in the ACC and Josh Downs, but no Sam Howell for them this year. Yeah, this is a tough one, um, just because we don't really know how the quarterback situation is going to play out there at UNC. Um, very little experience there at quarterback. Um, obviously, you said Josh Downs is a stud. He's going to get a lot of opportunity to catch ball there, just like he did last year. Um, for, like, see, for, this is another another series Virginia's had a lot of success when I think last year was the first time Carolina beat him in like seven tries or something like that. Uh, it's been a while since since um, Carolina beat Virginia. I think I might, uh, and this is a really tough one. I, I'll probably lean UNC, but I'm but I would not be surprised if Virginia won either. Okay, uh, you're still going to stay at home for the next couple games, starting out with uh, Jordan addison list Pitt Panthers, but Pitt still, return, still returns quite a bit of talent off of last year's team. This, this, they should still be pretty solid, even without Jordan Addison. Yeah, I do like Keaton Slovis there. Um, he, I think he's going to have a pretty nice season there. Their, their defense is probably second best in the – in the ACC behind Clemson. I love their defensive line. Um, but I still, just because no Jordan Addison, I just really wonder how much, how much that hurts this offense. I think they are still going to be a coastal division contender right there with Miami. But what, do, what, do, how much does that really make a difference? I could, like, I just like the previous game, I could see both teams winning this game. But I feel like Pitt will could I'm going to take Pitt again just because I feel like they're just a little bit more talented and I think I, I would trust their defense to make a stop before I trust Virginia's. All right, um, th- this is a pretty intriguing non-conference game because uh, this Coastal Carolina team has been really really good the last couple of years and uh, you know and if I'm Georgia Tech and you're in November. I'm looking at this guy's, uh, you know, Jamie Chadwell is one of the head coaches I'm considering at the end of next year. This this is a this is a tricky game, you know. Um, good on Virginia uh, scheduling this one, but this this is not going to be easy. Oh no, not at all. Um, like I say, you know, cool that they they got this home at home with them, but you know, we've seen what they've been able to do the last couple of years. Coastal Carolina, um, they almost was it 2020 they pretty much ran the table i think if i'm remembering correctly i think they lost they lost their bowl game that's what it was um they otherwise they went undefeated and they lost twice last year um this is a they were 11 and 1 in 2020 yep that's right just doing my research here while we talk but then they were 11 and 2 last year and they have the quarterback mccall who is really really good and just a perfect fit for that offense um there would not, I would not be surprised if Coastal Carolina's favored in this game. And I think I might, I might, I think this could be a close game. Again, I might take Coastal Carolina in this one just because they could very well be better. 
Okay. Um, you know, then you end the season at Virginia Tech, this this really intense Commonwealth Cup rivalry um, that's well-documented. Virginia Tech's, you know, dominated the series. Uh, but, you know, th- th- this is a game usually comes down to, you know, late in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, I'm expecting a, a close one in this one as well. Yeah, I expect this to be a close game. Um, the one thing that, that, that I, like I said earlier, the one thing I don't expect to see is a pass to an offensive lineman and a key third down, down near the goal line. Um, still. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound on Robert and I a little bit, uh, a little more here in a minute, but um I'm I'm not because I really have no idea what to make of Tech yet because they're going through the same same situation Virginia is with a new coach new scheme and you know some turnover and we just really don't know what to expect of them I think I think from the 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 Virginia Tech people I've talked to outside of Matthew I think they're expecting you know a little bit of a rebuild season um, but. I, I would like I think I'm just gonna just go for it and take Virginia to win here because I think the I think they actually you know they can win it in, in Blacksburg and you know it's it's I don't I don't think it's gonna be a blowout by any means I think they can I think you know Brendan Armstrong's a better quarterback than whoever Tech trots out but I also think Tech's defense will be better than what Virginia trots out but I think I, I think I'm gonna take Virginia just to get one for once and maybe give uh, a, you know, a big boost in, in, in state recruiting to the, to the who's. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now because we have a couple more questions here in the podcast. So, well, for what it's worth, I do think I'll keep picking Virginia tech until it doesn't happen. And so I, that's kind of where I'm sitting sitting right now with it, and I'm sitting pretty Uh-oh. good odds, uh, pretty good odds on that. I don't the blame rivalry you, starting in May. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them though, Jeff. <laughs> dude, we have we've got two decades worth of uh, of a sample size here. <laughs> but I will say, I will say, I will say, I think the defense. I, I think you hit it right on. I mean, Virginia Tech's going to have Virginia Tech's. Defense is going to be. I, I, there's a lot of people coming back for Tech, and you know when Je- you know Jeff and I were looking at the at the uh, All ACC uh, conference picks for defensive back, for safety, that sort of thing. I couldn't find a spot for Jamari Connor on that list. Will what does that tell you? Yeah, and he he had a really nice season for those. He's good too. He's really He's good. good. Yeah. And I think it just there's a lot of a lot of depth that in the in the secondary in the ACC yes. too. Yes, and so uh, they've got a lot of returning starters back on defense. I think you nailed that pretty well. That they're probably still searching for an offensive identity at Virginia Tech, but the defense, I think, defense, I think, is going to be pretty good. So we'll have to see how that how that ha- you know how that ha- how that how that happens. But I, I I'm. That was a very good take for the pass to the offensive lineman. I, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that. I did laugh at that. That was very good. That was very good. That was very good, Will. So as we get to the end of the podcast here, man, give us the pulse of the Virginia football program. What's everybody thinking right now about the status of the program, the fans, the bloggers, the floor is yours, Will. All right, so let me go back uh, a little bit here to what the infamous – uh, infamous tech game. And after the, after that happened, there was just a lot of frustration with there's been, let this be, there's been frustration with Robert and I pretty much since the first season. Um, he was a guy who never, um, held himself accountable for all the mistakes that were made on offense. He, he loved to deflect blame and on others. And that was something that was as much as he, was they you know, was very creative with that Virginia offense when it came down to it, and when there were mistakes or questionable calls, he he always deflected. Always blame the, the players. Always blame the players. He and and I that really rubbed a lot of Virginia fans the wrong way, and to an extent, were were not crying at all when he when 
he that left. Um, obviously, the, the defense was a massive issue the last couple of years because they were just so bad. Um, it was, you know, obviously they, you know, they flirted with the idea of bringing in Anthony Poindexter as defensive coordinator before Bronco Mendenhall stepped down. I don't know if this is news out there, but this was something that had been approached at one point before Bronco stepped down. I still remember when Bronco stepped down, I was kind of in shock. In fact, I was at the gym and nearly dropped the dumbbell on my foot when I saw the news. Um, Fortunately, I, I, but you know, I think there was a, I think to be honest with you, I think the people were starting to feel like the program had stagnated a little bit um, with Bronco and the, and the, and that staff felt like they're, they had 2019 was the ceiling getting to the ACC championship and the orange bowl. And, you know, it, it was, and when you look, look back at some of the stuff from Bronco post tech, he just looked like a man who just, was worn out, uh, exhausted, emotionally exhausted. He looked he like he needed a break. And then when he announced his resignation a few days later, it kind of made sense when you go back, go, when you went back and watched the stuff post-tech. Obviously, they didn't get to play in the bowl game because both them and, them and SMU had COVID issues. Um, the... What I what, as far as what's going on right now, you know, a lot of people are really excited for the with Tony Elliott. He has obviously bring a lot of energy to this program. He is in a lot. He's a lot different from what Bronco Mendenhall was like in that fashion. He is a lot more engaging. Bronco is very much the the awkward turtle, whereas uh, Tony Elliott was is a more of a social butterfly. He's out there. He threw the first pitch out at uh, a baseball game right before the spring game to Jay Wolfolk, his, his soon-to-be backup quarterback, who's currently slinging 98-mile-an-hour fastballs out of the bullpen for the baseball team. Um, he's And he's kept Marcus Higgins, he kept Garrett 2J, and he kept Clint Centum on staff and brought, it, brought in his own guys, You know, not necessarily people he's worked with in the past with people he's known and people who have an identity of, we're going to work on the basics. We're going to be disciplined. You know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be grateful for what you get kind of thing. You see a lot of it where these guys have come from. They come from military schools who are very much in dis, very disciplined programs. Um, he's brought in Chris Slade, who is a legend at UVA uh, to help coach on the D line. He's brought back alums who weren't quite you know as out there under bronco and to, to an extent mike london we're seeing guys have you know former alums like keith miller for example ha- was out there during spring practices and helping you know with helping with the team you know just guys who have done a lot who've done things with the program people who we haven't he- heard from in a while are coming back and a lot of that's due to chris slade because he's always had a great relationship with the school and they're, you know, they're, it's a very engaging, I think the fans are very happy with it. Uh, obviously we have the new, um, new uh, facilities that are going to be breaking ground and probably be done in 2024. I believe that's going to really help in recruiting. Um, so yeah, I think the fans are very excited for what's going to happen, but first and foremost, you got to win. Otherwise, you know they're going to turn on you real quick fair statement will fair statement all right buddy open microphone time what do you got for us will all right so we've kind of pretty much dissected the coastal division like i said i think um pitt and miami are probably the 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 teams to beat and the coastal this year i think carolina is probably right behind them along with the Virginia schools and then Georgia tech and Duke are right behind them. But I'm very fascinated by the Atlantic division this year. You obviously have Clemson who is the most talented team of any team in the ACC. They have the one with the most talent, but they've got a lot of question marks. Obviously both Tony Elliott's now at Virginia. Brent Venables is down at Oklahoma. You know, they, they, you know, lost some support staff to other schools and now they're basically promoted with from within can DJ Uyangale take a step forward? Otherwise, he's going to be replaced by the five-star they just brought in out of this most 
recent recruiting class. NC State is probably my team that my team in the Atlantic this year. Devin Leary's back. They're they're they got a really good receiver back. Um, their defense is going to be really good. They're a really experienced team, and I think that's a huge deal um, still in in football. Uh, Wake Forest, you know, they're coming off a, an appearance in the ECC championship game. The Sam Hartman's back. They're still loaded at wide receiver. They're getting Donovan Green back, who missed the entire season. They obviously have question marks on defense. So, you know, what they, but you can't count them out. What is Florida State going to be like? You know, they, they had a nice recruiting class. I think they're getting back to a level where, you know, maybe you can start seeing them in bowls. What's Louisville like? You know, Satterfield might be on the hot seat. Obviously, Malik Cunningham is covering up a lot of issues at that school. I still don't trust their defense, but they could still make a bowl game just strictly off of, you know, what what Cunningham can do. I see Boston College, another team that can make some noise this year. Foljakovic is back. He just needs to stay healthy. Zay Flowers is one of the most dynamic playmakers in in all the ACC. Um, he, you know, they are going to be a really good team. You know, I'm very so. I think this this uh, this is going to be a really big year for ACC football. I think this is good as a whole. It's going to be better than it's been the last couple of years, simply because quarterback play is so much better, and that can, I think that makes a big difference. And yeah, I know we're. I mean, they're still not going to be on the same level of the SEC and the Big Ten or whatnot. Maybe not the Big Twelve, but I think there's there's a lot of potential for this league this year. Very good, Will. Very good. You're up, Jeff. Uh, all right. Um, the the um, NCAA softball field was announced today. So I'm just going to give a quick run through of which ACC teams are in the field and, and where they're at. So uh, I'm just going to go down here. The bracket uh, uh, Notre Dame uh, made the field. They're in nine seed Northwestern's bracket. Um, Duke is a 12 seed hosting, uh, go a, a bit further down. You have, uh, Virginia tech there. Matthews had, had a great season and definitely, uh, on the short list of teams that can win the national title. Oklahoma is the, the prohibitive favorite, but Virginia tech is one of those teams that can challenge them. They're the three seed in the tournament. Uh, Georgia tech makes the field. They are in, uh, Florida's region. Uh, that's, uh, Florida Gators down there in Gainesville, number 14 seed, Georgia Tech, uh, making the field for the first time in 10 years. Uh, Clemson, uh, after their run to the ACC tournament final, uh, just three years into their uh, to their program, uh, you know, playing already a 10 seed. So, you know, really good season for, for Clemson. And then you go down uh, number two seed, ACC champion, and, and, you know, one of the very best teams in the country, right up there with Virginia Tech and Oklahoma, Florida State, um, you know, recent national champion there at Florida State. You know, they're kind of they're, they are the premier softball program uh, in the ACC. Uh, but when you go back four or five years, this conference was really just Florida State. Um, you know, Duke w- wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, maybe Notre Dame w- had some decent teams. But the conference really was just Florida State when it came, uh, you know, when you looked at it nationally. And now you saw that there are four national seeds. And we've already mentioned Virginia Tech is is very capable of winning the national title. And and this is now one of the deeper, better softball leagues in in the country. And this this tournament – starts i think either thursday or friday and if, if you're not watching college softball it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to watch it's fast paced and the acc has got a lot of good teams so uh, keep an eye out for that very good take jeff very good take uh i just want to give people a brief update here i was walking through the nca men's lacrosse bat bracket right now Maryland and Virginia are going to meet in the round of eight. That that will give you an opportunity to go to the to the final four. Uh, on the bottom side of that bracket, it's Princeton and Yale. So you've got two Ivy schools. On the other side of the bracket, you've got uh, 
Rutgers, and Penn. That's another Ivy school, so that would be three. That's three uh, in the final eight, and then in the fun, the last, the last quarter, the last, um, the last game here that you know Cornell's already won a bid to the round of eight, and the last one that's around right now, they're playing right now on ESPNU. Georgetown's playing Delaware, so you could potentially have three Ivy League schools in the round of eight and Maryland and Maryland and Virginia and really in an old ACC battle, but now, you know, obviously Maryland and the big 10 now taking on Virginia, which brings back that classic ACC rivalry from quite, you know, from quite some, quite some time, time ago. So Virginia is the lone ACC men's team uh, left in the bracket. I have not, I've not had a chance to take a, uh, take a look at the women's bracket. If you can hold on just a second here. Here I can stall for you, Matthew. And um, I was just going to mention that that uh, that matchup the between Maryland and Virginia last year in the national championship game was probably the best lacrosse match I have ever seen. Just so much drama throughout it, and coming right down to literally the final play of the game and a save on the on a shot that would have tied the game. Um, just just like say one of the best uh, lacrosse games I've ever seen. Very good. Thank you for thank you for the save there, Will. So I, I'm looking. I'm looking here right now, and this isn't. Looks like they're not quite, not quite there yet. Um, right now, Virginia is playing Wolf. North Carolina is playing Virginia right now. I had to make sure I checked that out here. North Carolina is up twenty-four to two. I had to make sure that wasn't a typo. No, and, it's not. I'm afraid. Oh my God! And then Maryland is playing Duke right now, and they're kind of they're kind of they're playing pretty well right now too. So they're playing. They're up 19-6 on Duke. So North Carolina looks like it's probably North Carolina is going to North Carolina is going to probably go in there. They're going to probably end up playing against Stony Brook. Maryland will play be playing Florida. Maryland will probably be playing Florida. Then the bottom part of the bracket, you've got Syracuse playing Northwestern and Boston College playing well. And Boston College, the women, the women's lacrosse team is actually actually playing extremely well right now. And they're probably that it probably could I wouldn't doubt if you could possibly see a North Carolina uh Boston College match potentially a North Carolina Boston College matchup in the uh, in the final, which might actually be kind of cool there. So that's 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 pretty. That's kind of where they're at there on on that side of the uh, that side of the house. But thank, thanks again for uh, thanks again for your take there, Will. And so the other thing I'd have to say here is just that we we really appreciate you always coming in the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. Will you've been a huge supporter of our site and of this podcast. You were one of the very original original guests on the show and you've been on in multiple capacities, whether it's been on for the frozen four, the NCAA tournament, Virginia athletics, ACC athletics in general, a co a guest co-host. And we, re- we really appreciate you coming on the show. Will. Yeah. Always glad to help you guys out. I, I very much appreciate anytime you guys reach out to me to have me on. I'm always 